All right, thank you for that. The music, as always, was good and is good, and so we're grateful for that, and I'm grateful for you being in your place this morning. We're going to look at Philippians chapter number one here. We'll look at the verses we read as we think a little bit about our theme as we get started, uh, more church. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, that's not our verse for this morning, But that's the verse for our theme, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some men, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. God says, don't don't abandon being together. Church is important, and it's more important than it's ever been. And he says, don't abandon. In fact, and he says, more church. Then he says, much more, so much more. As I've mentioned before already, that's redundant, okay? And um, why is God being redundant here? I think he's trying to get it through our heads. It's a big deal. And sometimes we look at church, well, that's just, guy, that's just man's idea. That's God's idea. And church is and should be a blessing. And so I want to continue to look at that this morning. You know, there's a lot of things that in life that are good for us that we don't like, okay? Like, for instance, taking a test, right? How many of you like studying for a test? No, it's not fun. A few of you like it. But why is it important? Because if we don't study, we don't learn. How would would you like it if we just gave out driver's license with no test? Now, I was just going to say that. I've driven enough on the freeway to realize, like, where, well, you know, we used to joke around years ago. Remember the old pike here? I don't feel, how many of you are old enough to remember the pike? That you could get false IDs, you could get everything down there. And we'd see someone driving and like, where'd you get your driver's license? At the pike? You know, someone, you went down there and paid 20 bucks, someone forged it? How about going to the dentist? Hey, you want to you ruin your child's day? Say, hey, we got a dentist appointment tomorrow. That strikes fear into them. Here's one. Eating healthy. Say that, By the way, that's why we don't sell asparagus in the vending machines. <laughs> Kids don't like that. I, don't, I like asparagus the way my girls make it. But, you know, I've always wondered, like, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God, Lord, why wasn't, like, stuff like pizza and hot dogs, why is that stuff bad for you? Couldn't we make asparagus taste like chili? I mean, that'd be so much better for us. Going to the doctor, doing blood work. Here's one, you ready? Exercise. Do you know that you don't need to exercise? Just buy an exercise machine and put it in your garage. It magically makes you feel better, mentally. But these th- there's things, that's just how life is. There's things that we may not that, that are good for us, we may not like. But here's, and, and, and so we endure them. But here's the problem. Some things that should be good, we treat them like they're bad. We have to endure them. A lot of people, you know what they think about when they think of going to church? It's like a spiritual trip to the dentist. I don't think church should be that way. I think church ought to be joyful. Paul God used Paul, this is scripture, of course, to write the epistle to the Philippians. The theme of the book of Philippians is joy. 
we can have joy. Now, if you look at the life of Paul, you realize that Paul would have had a lot of reasons not to be joyful. Uh, Paul had went and started, started uh, the Philippian church there and took the gospel there. A lady named Lydia was saved, and through that, he went and reached a lot of people, and he, he founded the church. And he's writing back to them 10 years after he started the church. And he wants to remind them of having joy. Now, it's easy for us to think about that, but you realize, you know, there's a lot of persecution in Christians in those days. They could lose out by going to church. Paul, just by serving Christ and preaching the gospel, he suffered a lot. We read that. But Paul's still saying joy. The word joy in this epistle is six times, and the word rejoice is eight times. Paul writes from prison. Paul did not let the circumstances of his life detract from the joy that he had because he knew Jesus Christ. And so he's talking about joy. The fact of the matter is, people are looking for joy. We think of our society, and, and they may not be able to articulate what they're looking for, but the fact of the matter is, everything that they're trying to grasp onto, they're grasping onto because they think that if they uh, get this or they achieve that, that will make them joyful. And so often they grab the wrong thing. John Lennon, the former Beatle who was shot to death at around 1980, one day he wrote an evangelist, and here's what he said. He quoted, in the letter, he, he quoted a song that the Beatles had. Money can't buy me love. Then he said, it is true. The point is this, I want happiness. I don't want to keep on with the drugs. Explain to me what Christianity can do for me. Is it phony? Can he love me? I want out of hell. This is someone that the world looked to to the point of worship. And yet, he was searching for something. And he had everything the world had to offer, and he still didn't have joy. The fact of the matter is, there was no fruit in his life to show that he ever found it before he was tragically shot to death. But the fact of the matter is that the Christian life offers joy. And one of those things that should be joyful is being a part of and going to church. Amen. Psalm chapter 122 verse 1 says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go unto the house of the Lord. Now, most of, some of us treat, that, treat going to church like children, right? All of our children, we grew up, you know, we're working, they come to church. And, you know, you, you wake up the little one, they're three or four years old, like, come on, we're going to church. And look, if you've never had one of your kids say, say this, they're saints. I don't want to go today. Well, no kid wants to get up early and go, right? I mean, there's times my alarm clock go off and I look at my wife like, I don't want to go today. To face these people? No. But look, we, we, some people are like that all the time. Church should be a joyful experience. And if we're a part of it, then it will be. I love our church, by the way. And you are great. We have a great church. We have a great spirit. You may not know this, but we have people that come in and preach from around the country. We had evangelist John Hamlin. We'll have brother Dan Martin and others. They'll come. And to our youth conference, too, as well, they'll come. And to a, to a man, whenever they leave, they're like, you have a great church. 
And they're not just, and they'll say, your church just has a, a spirit about it. I want to keep that spirit. You know what that spirit is? It's joy. And there's joy in meeting together as a church, and there is joy in serving Jesus Christ. Now, as Paul is introducing this, we do understand that the first people that would have got these words were a church. And he was writing to them. And I think Paul here, as he lays out joy, he's talking about some things here in the introduction that, that lead to joy in a church. And that's what I want to look at. In these few verses, I want us to see a few reasons why church should be a joyful experience. First of all, I think it should be because of joyful people. Joyful people. Who wrote this? He says, Paul and Timotheus in verse 1, the servants of the Lord Jesus Christ to the saints in Jesus Christ, which are at Philippi. That's the church there. And the bishops and the deacons. He's, he's writing to these people at the church. And as he gets into all of it with joy, he's, he, it, 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 it boils down to the people that he's speaking to. You do understand that a church is, is not a, a building where people meet. The church is the people who meet in that building. We are the church. And God wants us to enjoy each other in the church. That doesn't mean we don't have problems because all of us do. It doesn't mean that sometimes we don't come in and maybe we've had a tough week or maybe there's been a situation and we're, we're uh, in a sense dragging in a little and we're a little down, downtrodden. By the way, that's okay and that's why you come to church. So you can see life from God's perspective. But church should be joyful because of people. What kind of people? Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ. Now, they were the ones that wrote it, but here's how they described themselves to the church. Servants. Not Paul the apostle, and there was times Paul needed to pull that card out because of issue in churches. But Paul said, we're just servants of Jesus Christ. Servants literally means someone who's almost a slave, a willing slave. And by the way, if you're going to be a willing slave to anybody, Jesus Christ is a good one to be a willing slave to. Because he loves us. Servant. What does that mean for us? You know, the greatest thing we can do together as a church is serve the Lord. See, we, we like that verse where, where Joshua talked about his family and he goes, as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. And it's like, everything's just about my family. And by the way, your family is vitally important. You're married, you, you're, you have children, that should be at the top of your priority list right under God. But we confuse that. What did Joshua say, as for me and my family, we will what? Come on, serve the Lord. That's a cute verse to put in our, on our wall, and then we don't, as a family, serve the Lord at all. Oh, hey, that rhymed. See that? I should have been a rapper. But, 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 but we, we put that on there, and it's like, it's all about family, and it is, but what is a family supposed to do? We're supposed to serve the Lord. You know who the happiest people in the church are? Those that are involved. Those that are involved. You see our folks that come out on Saturday, and we have a meeting, and we go out there, and, and they'll go out and maybe visit some folks from their Sunday school class, or they'll go out on a bus route, uh, and now we go to the homes. Those people are joyful. Why? 
They're doing something through their church for the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, well, I want to be a big shot. You know who Jesus said the big shot was? Whosoever will be greatest among you, let him be your minister in one verse and servant in the other. It's the same thing. So we serve. People in the church that get involved, they are the ones that have the most joy. The people in the church who experience the most joy. Remember as a new believer, I spent six months at church and I went to every service and, and I, I was reading my Bible and I was growing. It was all so new to me. And after six months, and by the way, I loved it. I loved it. But after six months, I took one more step that really, really, really took it to a whole new level. I just started getting involved. I, I got, uh, first thing I did, I went, to a, I went to a rest home on Sunday afternoon. We would have church. I would go home and have lunch real quick. We would come back, and we'd go to a rest home. I'm going to give you the story. They had me preach one time, and that was a disaster for those poor people. But, but you know what they wanted? It was just there and bringing them in and, and talking to them and, and just, just being kind, spirit, listening and talking to people that didn't get an opportunity to go out. And then I got on a bus route. Well, the first time I got on a bus route, it didn't go so well. I thought, man, these people are nuts. I am never doing this again. We're driving down PCH, I remember. I was at Gethsemane up north. I was driving down PCH, and some kid grabbed another kid's Bible and just chucked it out the window. I'm thinking, what are we doing here? You know, they're fighting in the back, and I'm like, I've, I've had enough of this. It's like, God bless these people. And then I'm like, you know what, I'll try it again. And next thing I know, my bus captain, he couldn't do it anymore, and here I am. Running a bus route, like six months in church, seven months in church. And, and you shouldn't do this. I, got, I had a motorcycle. I didn't have a car. I'm visiting them on my motorcycle. I remember over here on Santa Fe, it's like uh, 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 military housing now, senior housing. It used to be the, the naval base. Remember that? And I go over there, and we had a bunch of kids that came, and we were on the west. Is this the west side? Yeah, the west side over here. And I'm, I shouldn't be, you know, loading kids on my motorcycle, giving them rides, all this nonsense. You probably, no helmets, you know, all that stuff. And, and, but, but I was having a great time. Because I got involved with serving. The people that get involved are the ones. But you know another reason we ought to just be happy about and joyful? He says, and to all the saints. The saints. Now, when we think of saints, we think of, you know, the Catholics will take someone that's been dead for 600 years and say, that person's a saint. That, that's not how it works. If you're saved, you're a saint. You say, Pastor, I've looked in the mirror. I don't feel like a saint. Neither do I. Okay, but we're saints because of our position in Jesus Christ. Amen. We're not saints because of who we are. We're saints because of what he is and his righteousness is on our account. And you know what? If I'm a saint and I understand what Jesus Christ has done for me, how could I not be joyful about my salvation? I'm a saint. It reminds us that positionally through the death of Jesus Christ, and it reminds me of what he expects of me practically on this earth. I like the phrase that's in the Bible so many times of Christians, in Christ Jesus. I'm in him. I am saved and sanctified because of his righteousness. And so as we come to church, one of the things that ought to encourage us as saints is we're reminded of that on a regular basis. When we open up the songs in our songbook and we sing, it's not just filler space for the church. It's we're singing about him and it reminds him. By the way, that's why we don't use these new songs nowadays that are just about, you know, uh, I, I, I ran over a cat and I was thinking about Jesus, okay? 
you know, this nonsense. I saw a tree and I thought about God. Come on now. I want something that reminds me of what Jesus Christ did in my life. I want something that has more depth than a Dr. Seuss book. I want something that reminds me uh, mentally and not just stirs me emotionally. When I think about him. I hope we're reminded of it when we hear the special music as we're singing about the Lord. By the way, do you know the Lord likes to hear singing about him? Singing to the Lord is not our idea, it's his idea. And when we, when we lower the music down to a level where we enjoy it because our flesh enjoys it, we're, 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 we're wasting what it's all about. Well, we'll reach people if we have a different type of music. Music isn't to reach people. The gospel is. Music's to praise our God. Music is to remind us how good he is and what he has done in our life. And I hope when you come to church and we sing those songs that you think about what we're singing. I hope when you listen to music, and by the way, it's, we, have, we have great music in our church, okay? Say, Pastor, I've never heard you sing. I know, I want to keep it that way. But, but, but I love art, and, and, I, and I like to hear it, and it sounds great, but I also like the message. I like what it's talking about. By the way, parents, let me say this. I'll, I'll move. You ought to get your kids in music, involved in music in some way. Get them playing some type of instrument. We're going to have patch starting up. Get them in that group and in our teens and whatever, because when they're singing about music and it gets in their heart, man, how can it not transform you? When we think about being a saint, it encourages our Sunday school class and the Bible challenge us to be what God wants us to be. So because of joyful people, we must hurry. Number two, because of joyful provisions. Look at verse two. We think of provisions, we're thinking, well, he's given for me financially. No, we have greater things than even that. Verse two, grace be to you in peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. He, noted, he gives us two great things that we have here, grace and peace. Now, notice that they're in a specific order, right? Grace comes before peace. In other words, we cannot have the peace of God if we have not experienced the grace of God. And so God says, you have peace in your life, but first of all, you have to experience my grace through salvation. And by, peace doesn't mean that, that you know, uh, peace doesn't mean that everything's quiet, nothing's going on around you. That's serenity, and that can be peaceful. Peace is something you can have when everything around you is turmoil, right? It's when, when, when there's a lot going on and, and there's troubles going on and you can, you can keep your head because you see everything through the Lord Jesus Christ. You see everything through God's word. But if we're not saved, we don't have that. And by the way, it's, it's the gift of God. Grace gives us, we get the gift of grace and God provides us the gift of peace. But we must always remember where these great provisions come from. From God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. You're not going to get it anywhere else. You can try to get peace everywhere you want. And I'm not for war necessarily, unless it needs to happen. But we all, like, oh, uh, going back to John Lennon, let's just give peace a chance. It takes two. It just takes two. You, if, look, if some guy is trying to beat your face in, you can't sing a song and stop him. Okay? But, what I, but, but we're all looking for peace. Look, peace comes from outside of us. It comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. 
You can try to find it anything else. Well, if I had enough money and I had enough security, I would have peace in my life. Then why is it on, you know, every year there's one or two people that are well known that commit suicide. They had everything that this world is looking for, but the one thing that was important, peace. Because that only comes because of God's grace. And so we come together to remember like, hey, God is the provider of all of that. Where are you going to hear that? You're not going to hear it out there. You're not going to hear it when you go to work tomorrow. We only hear it from God. Church ought to also be joyful because of a joyful pondering. Look at verse 3. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. As Paul looked back to the people in the church, he's like, I'm thankful for you. Now we have to think about that. It means that we have to stop. These people, by the way, were people that helped him financially. These are people that he loved and he helped, to, he helped them to come to know Christ and to grow in their faith. And when he thought about them, he said, I'm thankful for them. Church isn't just a place where we come a, a handful uh, uh, times a week even. Church is a place where we serve and do things together as a group, and we ought to think about other people. By the way, has anybody been a blessing in your life? Don't you think about them? I can look back at my, I can look back at my Christian life, particularly my early days, and, and I can think of specific people in the church, and I came in, and I came in raw. And I, uh, you know, it's like some people are in the world, I came in the church, and I looked like I was in the world. And there was people that were encouraging to me and they, they saw me coming and they saw me trying to make uh, steps in my life and they came behind me and encouraged me. I'm thankful to them to this day. I'm thankful to my pastor, Brother Black, and what he did in my life. I'm thankful, you know, Brother, P- Brother Sisson and what he did in my life. Assistant pastor, and he saw me. and You know, I like basketball. He'd play basketball just so he'd have an opportunity to encourage me and help me. Brother Beard and others. What about you? Are are you thankful for what people do in your life? And let me say this. There's only one joy greater than the people who do things to help you out. It's you being the one to help others out. What do they call that? Like paying it forward? You ever been somewhere where one time I went in there and it's like, well, the person ahead of you paid for your drink. I'm like, well, if I would have known that, I would have ordered more. (laughs) Right? So you know what that means. Are you with me? What does that mean? First of all, ask the question, what did the person behind me order? It's like, oh, they just got a coffee. Like, let me pay for them. Yeah, you pay it forward. How do you pay it forward? Hey, look, why don't we help somebody? Why don't we be a blessing to others? But people ought to be a blessing in our life. And I understand it. By the way, that's why I encourage, if you don't go to a Sunday school class, get involved in a Sunday school class. It's kind of hard. We come in here and we're just trying to get our seats and make sure no one steals our seat and all that stuff. And we're kind of crowded in here. And and by the way, when we leave and enter, we do have four doors. Everybody likes this door. So do I. But, uh, you know, it's like we're, we're, but you go to a Sunday school class, you come before and you can meet some people and you can get some good Christian friends. You can be a good Christian friend. It's another reason we ought to be joyful because of joyful prayer. Look at verse four. He says, always in every prayer of mine for you, all, for you all, making requests with joy. He didn't just pray for them. He prayed with them, for them with joy. How can you pray with joy? Because you know there's a God that, that's listening. 
You know, the world doesn't know how to give comfort. You know that? I mean, they try sometimes, but it's like, what do you do? I mean, they, you know, remember the, when I was working in the warehouse many, many years ago, there was, there was a guy there. And to be honest with you, this guy was probably one of the most sour individuals that we worked with. He was always in a foul mood. He was always just, just rude to everybody. And one night, you know, we found out that he, he was being even worse than he normally was. Well, the guys found out that, you know, that, that his son was going to have heart surgery. He didn't know how to handle it. You know, you know what their, their, their thing was? Well, let's buy his son a bike. So everybody pitched in. I wasn't against that. But this guy, who, and he specifically did not like us Christians. You know what helped him a lot more? We, one of the guys went up to him and said, why don't you let us meet with you after work and let's pray for your son. And I remember this hard guy with a horrible attitude who hated, I mean, it was borderline hate for Christians. I mean, he's the kind of guy, he knew I was a Christian. He'd walk in and say, hey, Steve, blank. He'd cuss at me for no reason. I'm like, well, have a good day. And I remember sitting there with all the Christian guys praying for him, and he's crying. His kid did, now, I'm, we got his kid a bike. Don't get me wrong. He didn't need a bike. He needed prayer. His son made it through. But, but you have that opportunity. You have a church family. Someone's sick, we pray for them. Who's going to care about you? And I'm not saying people don't, there's good people, but I'm just saying a church family is a place where you come and it's like, I'm going through a hard time. Get someone to pray for you. And Paul said, I'm thinking about you and I'm, I'm praying for you. It's a blessing to have a place where people will pray for you. Look at verse five. Another reason is because of joyful passion. Verse five, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Now we've talked about fellowship. Well, I think we mentioned it last week. But look what they fellowshiped in. They fellowshiped in the gospel. Now the reason we're together and we can fellowship is because we've all been saved by Jesus Christ. But their fellowship was in the gospel because they were taking the gospel out. You know, there's one thing that ought to really drive our church and ought to drive us with full throttle passion, and it's the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. If serving in the church helped my joy in the church to step up, you know what even took it farther is when I got involved in soul winning. When we started going out and sharing the gospel with those that didn't know Jesus Christ, and, and there was a camaraderie as we would all go out together. I mentioned the naval base that used to be here. We had a group of Navy guys on the USS Peleliu, and they were in our church, and, and they're like, let's just go soul winning. And they were a little, they were a few years older than me, and they took me under their wings as well. And we go out soul winning. And there's something about a camaraderie that's built together when you have a common goal to accomplish something. Right? You ever hear an athlete who retires? someone that played on a team for several years, they'll I've heard it many times, they'll say, what do you miss about the sport that you retired from? And they'll say this, I miss the times being together with the guys on the team getting ready. I miss the practices, I miss the meetings, I miss getting, to, getting pumped up to get out there, I miss being together with us because we had a mission and we had a goal we were going for. Well, doesn't the church have a mission and a goal? It's to get the gospel to this world. You say, Pastor, I, I come on Sunday, I don't do. You, these are things we need to step into. We need to grow in our faith so we can serve together and we go out and share the gospel together. Yeah. 
And there's nothing more joyful than that. And then lastly, we're done. Because of joyful performance. Look at verse 6. Paul said, being confident of this one thing, that he which begun, had, hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. Paul had a confidence in Jesus Christ that he could continue to work in their lives. And that what he started to do in their lives because they were saved, that he can continue to do until their life was over and until he came back to this earth. You know God wants to work in your life. And God doesn't want it just to be someone who came in and we've checked in and we're here at church for a few years and now we're going to go do our own thing and we outgrew that. That's not how it works. We're talking about being together and letting God work in your life and do something great in your life. God wants to change it and give you the life that he has for you. But we trust in other things. So many Christians really, I just wonder, how is our faith? Do we really trust in God? Are we out trying to do our own thing? You understand that confidence is only as good as what you have your confidence in, right? I mean, didn't they say that the Titanic was an unsinkable ship? They couldn't even get across the ocean once. In fact, when, when the news came to the white, uh, the, 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 uh, the, the, the company that owned the Titanic and said, hey, the Titanic's in trouble, the boss who got the message said, don't worry about it, that ship's unsinkable. And about the time he said that, the Titanic had already went down. If you have confidence in the wrong thing, it's not going to work. Listen, you can live for God and God can do great things in your life if your confidence is in him. And that brings joy. There's joy in my life when I know that God has a purpose for my life. God wants to do something in my life. And I go to church with a group of people and I'm reminded of it and I go forward with it. That ought to bring us joy. Do you have that kind of confidence? Do you have that kind of joy? God is faithful. God, look, what God wants to work in our lives. I don't want this just to be a, a, a congregation that we just meet together every now and then. And I want to meet together. Don't get me wrong. And I think you ought to meet more than less. But God wants us to meet together because he wants to do something in each and every one of our lives. So here's the question. Is God doing something in your life? If not, I have good news. Why don't you let him? And if he is, I have better news. God will continue that till the day he dies, because he is faithful. We just need to be on board and be faithful as well. What's the point, pastor? Let's enjoy church. Let's enjoy church. Let's not just show up here and say, okay, that's my checklist, you know? I went to the dentist this year, once a year, check. I went to the optometrist, check. I went to church Sunday morning. God wants to work in your life. God has so much more for us. And when we get in tune with what God's doing, we're going to come here with that spirit. And by the way, you do. That's why there's joy in our church. And I don't ever want to lose that. I don't, you know what? If we're just going to do some type of religious exercise, I'll go do something else. But that's not what's going on here. But God wants you to enjoy church. What's missing in your life that's keeping you from having that full throttle joy that God wants you to have? Let's bow our heads for a second, if we may. Every head bowed and every eye closed just for a minute. I don't believe there's 
people in here. There may be one or two that you think of our church and coming to church as a spiritual trip to the dentist. But what happens over time is we enjoy church and the newness of it. And if we're not careful, we start to lose that joy. It's like getting married and you have the joy of being a newlywed and being married and, and, and building something together. If you're not careful after several years, if you let some things creep in, you lose that joy. I don't want to lose that joy. I don't want to put in my spiritual time. I don't want to come in like I'm going to work and punch the spiritual time clock and then punch it on the way home. I want to have that joy. Let's stand together if we may. Now let me ask this and then we'll open the invitation. You can't have the joy of church unless you've experienced the joy of salvation in Jesus Christ. You have to be a saint. How do I become a saint? You trust the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. What does that mean? Here's the question. Are you 100% for sure if you were to die today, you'd go to heaven? Or do you have any doubt? If you have doubt, that can be settled. With nobody looking around, I'll ask it again. Are you sure, 100% for sure that you're going to heaven? You say, Pastor, I'm not. But that's something I'd like to know. Pastor, would you, would you pray for me? If you just raise your hand real quick, I'll recognize it and I'll pray for you. Nobody looking around. Pastor, it's me. I'm not for sure. I'd die. I'd go to heaven, but I'd like to know. Yes, right there. Over here. Yes, thank you. How's your joy today? By the way, if you don't enjoy the Christian life, you won't enjoy church. Maybe there's some area of your life God said, hey, this is a weakness, or maybe this is an area you need to strengthen, or maybe you're newer and you've had some joy, but there's some of those steps that it's like, I can jump in here and even have more joy. If God's offering something, I don't want a little, I want a lot. Piano's gonna play. If God spoke to you, that's what this altar's for. Why don't you come pray and do business with the Lord? Don't miss the joy that God has for you.